Ladies and gentlemen, this is All About Reality coming to you with this live special prod podcast because usually I, Fantasy Doc Ock, sitting in my seat and the one throwing up fantasy prayers and praising all sorts of divine things with my theological background. But today I get to just sit and revel in the friendship of my buddy, Matthew Goodwin. Goody, what happened in the world of football today? Explain to me what just happened across Twitter feeds all over our country. Oh, this is like an Ice Cube song. It's been a good day. Um, start, you know, kind of came late in the day too here on the here on the left coast. O OBJ to my Browns. I, I don't feel like they had to give up a king's ransom to get him. Seventeenth pick, the worst of two third round picks, and Jabril Peppers who was starting to find his identity in the Browns secondary, but with the new defensive coordinator, um, may not have fit fit in so well. Um, just really, really, really excited about the fact that it seems like OBJ wanted to come to the Browns. He's playing with one of his best buddies from college now, Jarvis Landry. He seems to be palling around in the offseason with Baker Mayfield. Um, just really excited about the ceiling for this team. And I'm and I'm not even talking about fantasy yet. Like just what this team can do. They signed Sheldon Richardson today um, as well. Uh, defensive end and, and our, you know, when Jeff LJ Lloyd came on our podcast um, from Lockdown Browns, talking that the Browns basically needed a kind of a, a defensive tackle is one of their biggest needs. Got that. And a good one is, you know, you saw the Vikings for, you know, a while this season. Um, I mean, he's kind of hopped around the last couple of years. Now he has some stability, I guess, in Cleveland. And, I, you know, I, I just, let's jump into what this looks like for the Browns offense. I mean, I, I think um, I, I just read something um, future guest. We've got a commitment now, but um, really like the work he did today on, on this on fantasy pros. We got Mike Taglier, um, you know, wrote a great article about what this means kind of fancy impact Obel Beckham Jr. to the Browns. So let's jump in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Listen, it's so good. It really is a genuinely like happy moment in the world of fantasy. You have to see a friend this excited about it. Just knowing how much you care about the Browns, knowing that they really are becoming the darling of so many people. Like, you know, they've been down for so long. People want to see what happens. So I will try to throw some cold hard numbers at you and you tell me how you feel about this. Last year in his first year in the league, Baker Mayfield dropped these kind of numbers. I want to highlight two particular categories for you. His pass attempts in terms of distance was eighth in the league over the games that he started. He was sixth in the league in money throws, and he was 11th in the league in passing touchdowns in the games that he started. Can you imagine what that kid's going to look like with another year in the system, another year unleashed by Perry Kitchen, and with Odell Beckham Jr., the game's most dynamic receiver attached to him, how high do you think the ceiling is for Baker Mayfield? If I ask you how high this kid goes in real football, um, at the end of next year, when you and I are sitting in the summer of, of 2020, are we talking about Baker Mayfield as the number one quarterback in fantasy football, or is it lower than that? Uh, I, I definitely top top three. I think we, we kind of went through this exercise this off season and, and I land, I think you kind of landed me around like QB five ish, I think for Baker, you know, from a dynasty perspective and now from a dynasty perspective, I, I mean, you still love the tools someone like Mahomes has, but definitely, but you, you throw Baker in the top three, as long as OBJ is healthy and 
and productive. And and we'll see what the chemistry looks like on the field and and see if OBJ, like, you know, hopefully have better quarterback and hopefully this turns into a winning franchise and, and see if, like, winning kind of cures all, you know, kind of all ill will, I guess, and all attitude or, or whatever. So if – you know, I, I think one of the good things from a football perspective on this with OBJ going to the Browns is that he's paired up with his college buddy and one of his better friends, Jarvis Landry, so who played with in college at LSU. So I, I, I don't know that there's going to be drama in terms of how many balls are going to go around. And and one of the things that, you know, was interesting in this article that that, that, I'm, re- that I'm reading by, by Mike Taglier is – really that the Browns are still going to be a pretty run-centric team. They were a run-centric team. You know, with Baker, I think this year, I think they're looking at like about 500 pass attempts or something. I think he projects, um, based on the seven games under Kitchens, it was 31.6 pass attempts, which would, in the articles, has amount to just over 500 in a full in a full 16-game season, which would be equivalent to like what the Texans were last year. So, you know, Mayfield was a rookie. They had some kid gloves on him. You know, they have some other pieces like, you know, Kareem Hunt if he gets some time this year. So he basically saying if you raise the number to 550 pass attempts and bump the receiver's target share up, like 60% share of targets, there's 330 targets to go between Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Callaway, and a few others. So, and he's kind of calling that a, a best case scenario. So, I, I think it's it's going to be a creative for for Mayfield. I think just on the deep plays, and that you have somebody, you know, you're instead of throwing to Brashad Perryman, who you know signed a one year deal with the Browns today, that he's now trying to get out of on the OBJ news and four million bucks. I'm I'm guessing they'll be happy to oblige, um, to to let him out of that. And I, you know, I. I think the early projections that, that Taglier has um, for OBJ is 151 targets, 95 receptions, 1,350 yards, and nine TDs, and that would put that would put OBJ back in the top five. Yeah, it absolutely would. So here's a, one more great number that aligned with what you were saying. And credit to to playerprofiler.com. We're still working. We're going to work on getting the Podfather on our program as well. Um, Along with Tagliere, we again we've just got some great guests coming to you this summer. I'm excited about it. But here, uh, player profiler tells us last year as a rookie that he was number four in the league with 75 attempts at the deep ball or balls that traveled 20 or more yards in the air. For any of us that watched Baker for any length of time, we saw that like his willingness to press, willingness to hang in there and throw it a little bit longer. Certainly that lends itself better to a receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. than it does even Landry, who I have a ton of love for, but he was miscast as a receiver running down the seam. And I think with with OBJ taking that pressure away from him, he's going to be wide open in the middle of the field an awful lot as well. My point of pause, so I want you to beat this argument because I just want to be excited with you, is um, when in fantasy points per game, like let's start with the, the worst argument that I could make. In fantasy points per game, he was only averaging 17 points per game, and that was 20th in, the, in, in fantasy. But in real football, he was uh, he was actually only on in terms of true quarterback rating, which factors out unpressured throwaways and drop passes by the receiver. 
he was only 14th in the league. So like, so he was a very middling quarterback in terms of his actual production on the NFL field, you could argue, and in terms of his fantasy production. Tell me why that's going to be significantly different and why all of our enthusiasm is justified for Baker. <laughs> well, excuse me. I, I think that, you know, one of those stats that kind of counters that is some of the I, some of the NFL next gen stats. I think we touched on, and Baker's th throwing in tight windows is you know his accuracy is kind of unbelievable compared to like what his expected completion percentage is. So I think you have that. I think you have the ability of of multiple different options to get separation at, in different parts of the field. Cream Hunt's in the backfield. For instance, Chubb proved himself as a decent receiver in the backfield. Njoku's still kind of practicing his craft. And I, I, I don't know that – I think Njoku's probably the one who's impacted the, the worst probably in in this, just on a, on a – at least from a targets perspective. Landry, I think, you know, I, I think Landry – was getting decent volume. I think he'll continue to get decent volume. And I, I, I still think like, you know, the, the guy, the guy to own in this Browns offense besides OBJ and, you know, potentially Baker is Nick Chubb. I, I, I still see Nick Chubb being a bell cow type with opportunity. So, but from your question specifically about Baker, I think it's just another year under the belt, like some more ability to open up the playbook, you know, when you have a full training camp with, with these guys, I, you know, I, I and it's just kind of the difference between you know who you, you know another year of Antonio Callaway's young, talented, fast receiver. I think you're get, giving giving Baker a, a pretty wide arsenal net to you know grow. And I and I think you know added to which the I mean the the one downside is the Browns you know are, are going to win more games it seems and from a fantasy perspective and in the game scripts, you know, the defense seems to be making some strides as well. Um, at least, you know, free agency and Earl Thomas is the name that's coming up now too, as, as a real chance to land him um, to kind of fill that safety position that was vacated with peppers going to, in the OBJ trade. So I, I, I do like this fantasy points per game. Yes. I, I mean, I, I like the dynasty aspect of this more than the traditional league. I mean, I think the traditional league, you kind of have the ability to wait and see a little bit about, hey, is Baker a, a is he in a 10-team league? Is he a top 10 quarterback? You know, probably because he has a top five receiver asset. And most time when you have a halfway decent quarterback attached to that, you, you know, added to some of the other pieces they have on offense and, and a pretty good line, I, I think that, you know, bodes well. Yeah, so I think you're right. And in, in with Freddie Kitchens, uh, Mayfield's true completion percentage went up and started at border percent again. The game jumped by 30. That's working with the exact same tools that he had uh, under he who shall not be named on our podcast. So I do think you're right that with that kind of dynamism in the offense, again, I, I don't know that I could be, it could be more excited. Like tr truthfully, I think you're totally right about Chubb and say what you will about Kareem Hunt. And, and you know, like I stand, like I don't want to root for those players on my team, but like his one skill that he's been demonstrably better than almost everybody else in the league at is, is, forcing missed tackles and being like a, a plus in the in the receiving game so now we know we have dynamism but with hunt doing that we know chubb can handle that and he was lauded for that by matt waldman another great expert that we love and can't wait to get back on here uh so this is the thing right like they they 
we know that these guys are going to get theirs. We know that once the ball is in their hands, they're going to be already be able to do great things with it. And now we have an offense that's being opened up and a field that's being open and coverages, coverages that are being dictated by the most dangerous player in the game. It is just, just ridiculous. And I do hope Taglier alluded, of course, to, to the Vikings and, and to go back to that. Well, he alluded to this being like Diggs Thielen type situation. And I think that, to some extent, they, those guys capped each other's upside, but they both finished as, as number one wide receivers in fantasy. And if if we're right about Baker, and if smarter men than us are right about Baker, this could be a situation where you now have the Browns sitting on top of an offense that like are are worth investing in across the board. I would only push back on Njoku a little bit. I don't think his target share could go much lower than it was last year. And if anything, like he'll be more efficient with his targets with like the kind of attention that those other wide receivers are getting. So I think, I, I think literally you could name a Browns player on offense at a skill position. And I think they're a buy right now, even peripheral guys like um, set to outproduce their draft position in dynasty leagues and in redraft leagues, guys like Rashad Higgins are down in the eighties and nineties. I think he's set. And, and that's just in terms of wide receiver. Um, and yeah, I, I do feel bad for Perriman. He was one of my steep sleepers that we have talked about offline. Like I think he had a nice rapport with Baker and I think he's probably the biggest loser in this whole bunch, but he wasn't making most fantasy rosters anyway. So. Very true. One thing to note about Higgins for people who have him, obviously Reality Sports Online, uh, de Developmental League too. I think he's a fifth round original tender on him, so he may, he may not end up staying with the Browns, depending on where that heads. Very good. So now that we got some of the the you know the more obscure news of the day out of the way, perhaps we should talk about the big signing. Latavius Murray leaving my Vikings to go to the uh, to the New Orleans Saints. Um, everybody was touting this, and, and a number of great analysts are putting it out there that the in the past few years, the New Orleans Saints, and by that I mean like nearly a decade, the New Orleans Saints have finished with the number one or two fantasy backfield over an extended period of time. We know Kamara is great with a limited amount of touches. We know that uh, Latavius Murray has the kind of athleticism that blows Mark Ingram out of the water and has proven productive in every stop that he's been at. He's he hasn't been he hasn't been one of the more lauded backs in the league, but he did great for the Oakland Raiders. He did great for the Vikings behind one of the worst offensive lines we've put together in years. Um, are you are you characterizing? Are you ready to characterize Latavius Murray as a, as a RB two now? The Saints do do like to run the ball, um, and and obviously Kamara can't play every snap or or whatever. But I that that's a tough one. Um, you know, if I'm if I'm in an auction in Reality Sports Online, I'm I'm giving I'm let's just put it in that context because I think it's it's it, like I I don't know that I'm ready to throw RB two on him. If I'm kind of a guy who's painting around the corners in my fantasy leagues and trying to pluck a guy, you know, kind of like a, a zero RB guy to add to my collection of, you know, someone who may flex for me sometimes, or I, I you know, we start 10 players and, and, and that, and I want a talented, someone talented with upside on a one-year deal. I'm giving Murray four or 5 million bucks a year and, and, and see, and see what happens. Excellent. Let's keep thinking about things in the GM context. Let's go a little bit of rapid fire here. Most people have 
wonderful top assets like o- Odell Beckham Jr. When we look at uh, when we look at contracts like Kyle sends to us, we're looking at about an average of thirty five million per year uh, across leagues for uh, and regardless of format, really for a receiver like Odell Beckham Jr. How much do I have to give you? to go get that player from you right now in a vacuum. Are we talking three first rounders more or less? Um, I think it depends on where, where your team is and kind of the contention cycle. I mean, with me, you know, the one share I have of Odell Beckham Jr. is in the writer's league. I'm paying him, I think for upwards of 40 million this year. And, he expires and and I, I don't like the dollars at this point, but the, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm along for the ride with the Browns this year, just for fun perspective, you know, so I, I'm, ho- I'm holding him. I'd have to be blown away with an offer um, in terms of like, you know, if I was going to get him, I think it's going to require a, at least two first, one of which has to be, you know, defined as, as a top five in, in this year or next, I would think. Plus maybe a, pl- a player or a, you know a, a, a second rounder. I think three first would would put, would probably get it done. Um, I, I mean it, it really depends. Like if I'm if I'm a top three team in the league and I have him on a thirty five million dollar a year deal, I, I I don't see a reason to kind of jump off this right now. Very good. So think about this in context. Let's continue to help our listeners in the RSO c- format. You've got OBJ on nearly expiring. Let's say he's at the, the tail end of one of those massive contracts, either the final year as you're talking about or two years left. Um, and someone comes to you in a super flex context. I think we would both agree that OBJ has vaulted back into the first round across formats at this point. He's one of the only receivers that probably merits that consideration, especially with AB uh, a. falling off a little bit. If I come to you in a super flex format with Mahomes or Baker in hand, like still in a rookie contract, does that get it done for you straight up? Absolutely. Okay. So yeah, the super flex value, I, I, it's just, unless, unless for some reason the super flex is a very shallow one in terms of like how many, how many teams are in it. I, yeah. I, I mean that those guys are top assets in, in the super flex league. Would Darnold on a rookie contract get it done for you? Uh, no, would not. I, I, I mean, I, I'd like the contract, but I, I want to see more talent assembled around him. I, I would need, I would need to kind of see more. I think that I'd have enough, like, even if Andy Dalton, someone like Andy Dalton was one of my quarterbacks, I, I think that's enough to, you know, kind of be in the mix at least. Excellent. Let's think about standard, uh, standard producing or like, pardon me, like regular positions then. Would Nick Chubb on a rookie contract be preferable to you to uh, to OBJ on a premium contract at this point? Uh, yes, I'd go. I'd go with Chubb. I have. I have tremendous. I, I I feel that Chubb is is going to you know be a huge fantasy asset for the years to come. Uh, and, you know, and this was even before OBJ. I just think he fits that system well. He works hard. He can catch the ball. Like I, I'm not, I'm not particularly too scared about Cream Hunts in that offense. And, Excellent. And no, you're- I mean, you're talking about a a top ten fantasy asset, like you know, outside of Superflex. I think in Nick Chubb. 
No, you're absolutely right. And you're doing a great job with this. And again, let's just keep giving our listeners content. If I'm sitting across from you, a two quarterback league, and this one might be the hardest one of the bunch now, with all the news, with how all Baker's owners are justifiably feeling about him, if you get offered Saquon for Baker on both on rookie contracts, do you take that in a two quarterback league? If I'm I own Baker or I'm trading for Baker. Either way, but I think I want to put it in the context of you owning Baker. You're sitting on him on a rookie contract and someone offers you Saquon also on a rookie contract. <laughs> well, actually, we haven't this this brings up an interesting point because we haven't necessarily talked about like now the other side of what the Giants offense looks like with Eli Manning still there, Saquon Barkley being the you know the undisputed bell cow. Kevin Zeitler's there now because they traded the Browns trade Olivier got Olivier Vernon for for right. Zeitler. So, I mean, I love the Browns front four now. By the way, like from you know from you're you're looking at fantasy defenses if if they really go and get a safety and maybe a linebacker like you know in the draft like in the second round or or whatever. I, it's 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 shaping up to be a pretty talented defense on paper. The um. I don't know. I, 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 is Saquon going to be facing like nine men boxes at this point? I, you know, I, I think he's got tremendous share, and, and there's there's a scarcity of there's a scarcity of top premium running backs. And you said they're both on rookie deals. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If they're both on rookie deals, I'm I'm going to go with the Saquon side, and and the only reason I'm saying that is. It'd be a tough choice, but the only reason I'm saying that is Baker still, you know, the Browns are going to run the ball a fair bit. You know, he may have like the Russell Wilson efficiency, but he may not have the attempts that you'd like to see in a super flex. I mean, I think your league scoring would depend if this was something like our podcast league where, you know, where quarterback accuracy and touchdowns and everything else are and quarterbacks are worth more. Maybe I would I would consider Baker. But I, I'm still I'm still going under the assumption that I Matt Goodwin have some decent quarterback of my of my two quarterbacks existing before I was trading for Baker. So you know, so I I, I would go with Saquon in that case, just because sounds, of the scarcity. Sounds good. With the increasing popularity of that format, I just want to emphasize as much as we can during the course of this year. We'll start to segment these things for our listeners into like two quarterback operations as a GM and standard league operations and uh, different super flex analysis. But I think it's good to understand how radically, uh, even with, with in terms of the money shifting around against the cap uh, in a two quarterback league in reality sports online, how, how, how vaulted the, the quarterback position becomes in a two quarterback league. And I think, Obviously, you factor that higher and higher the number of teams that you have in your league, whether if you're pushing into the playing in a 16-team league, the scarcity just becomes so rare that even a player like Saquon like, gives you pause when you're, when you're sitting on an asset that's probably a top-two asset now in a two-quarterback league with, with Mahomes and Baker coming in uh, at the top of the heap. But, um, I, I mean, I am just staggered again when you look at what the Browns have done, man. And and not to revert to that, but I, I just I'm just looking back, realizing they also got Sheldon Richardson in the front four, as you alluded to. Like, I mean, this is just it, it's going to be an extraordinarily fun fun time to be a Browns fan as we move forward. Let's talk on the other side. 
Uh, I actually don't want Giants fans to be totally disconsolate. Um, I was thinking about how I could try to offer a silver lining to this with uh, with Gettleman Gettlemaning all over reality for everybody right now. Um, so any silver lining that you can perceive before I hop in on that, or should I start just giving you the best I could do on short notice about how to console Giants fans? Yeah, um, first, uh, pouring a little one out, out for our own Bobby Hoyt, um, you know, huge Giants fan. I I, I feel for you right now because I, I think this is looking like a little bit of a rebuild. But I think the silver lining in this is by virtue of getting the Browns number 17 pick coupled with the sixth pick, I think that the Giants have the capital to to invest in a quarterback this year. I know they're stubborn. It seems like they're stubbornly trying to avoid that. But I, I think that, you know, if if Dwayne Haskins is their guy and assuming, you know, the no, no funkiness with Kyler Murray, you know, I, I think this could be a, a big opportunity for the Giants. If Arizona is willing to kind of, you know, really give up Josh Rosen for, you know, third round draft capital, like we've seen rumors. I mean, I think that would be foolish. Um, but, you know, I think Arizona has to at least imply that they're considering a quarterback because I think that drives up the value of either Rosen or the first pick, depending on how they play it. So I, you know, I, I think, I think, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to end up on, on the giants and, and I, I mean, he's kind of from, from that area a little bit. I, I think it's I, I think that could end up being good. I think I think Sterling Shepard could be a fantasy stud this year. Um, you know, kind of a albeit an unflashy one. Is, you know, Evan Ingram should see see more you know targets as well. So I I, I don't think this is all all bad news, but um, you know I the one move I really don't understand with the Giants is why they you know the Landon Collins thing. I, I think you have a you know, one of the best young safeties in the league, and you just let him walk for nothing, really. I, I mean, maybe a compensatory pick, but that, that, that's, that's where I, as a football fan, would be most upset. Yeah, for sure. There's lots of reasons to be upset, and this this is a rebuild that, unfortunately, will give more fodder to, like, people in Philly and all my in-laws to be thrilled about their division. Like it looks like only Dallas will be a credible threat to the Eagles supremacy for the next year or two. Um, I do like Sterling Shepard. He is not long removed or not far removed from being one of guest Matt Harmon's uh, darlings of the reception perception. Um, I will reserve judgment on Dwayne Haskins till we hear from Matt Waldman about his analysis of that quarterback and especially comparative to other quarterback classes. But I do think you are right for the sake of Giants fans and hoping that he ends up on the team. And uh, that actually is a neat segue for us because I, I'm in uh, on a final note, those two players are, I think would be significant objects of hope. And I think that's sad that we're pointing to a number six pick that isn't even on the team yet. Uh, but I do think you can always like, frankly, uh, rebuild through asset acquisition. And they still have like a centerpiece in Saquon Barkley, who seems to be of the type of character that will cause other players to want to stay with him. I think the most likely scenario is you just have a superlative talent, a generational one to, to use the cliche. But I do think you start to see like maybe hints of what happened to a, a really 
elite back languishing on a team that was not elite a la like Adrian Peterson during some of his prime years. And I do think Saquon has the the kind of talent to carry them with a 2000 yard season and, and surprise people with a playoff run for sure. Um, so if nothing else, I, I would point Giants fans to the to the screen and tell them just to enjoy a talent like that while he's still on their team. Um, having said that, the Raiders are another intriguing team all of a sudden. I have never been as low, Matt, and I don't know about you, Goody, but I have never been as low on the Gruden regime as a lot of like much smarter analysts in the industry are. I, I don't understand the Gruden hate necessarily. I get that he, as an announcer, was a lot of sunshine, unicorn, and rainbows, but I, I found him to be a significantly proven leader of men, and I found that he was like his offenses have a significant amount of talent, and nothing like on its face suggests to me that he's committed to running a 90 style offense, which was the criticism that I kept hearing, like as if people don't evolve over time and especially smart men that have demonstrated success in their field. I don't think he just walked back into the Raiders complex with like a nineties playbook and like dusted it off like some kind of like throwback film and just like threw people out on the field. And now they're building in a unique way too, right? You're coupling Derek Carr with one of the other superlative talents in the league and perhaps the one of the two or three receivers that you could put in the discussion for best receiver in our national football league so Derek Carr where does he come in for you now um in the quarterback conversation and talk to me about Antonio Brown and how you how you foresee him uh shaking up the landscape out there on on your coast yeah I first off I from a pure football perspective, and if you kind of take the, the Amari Cooper trade and you combine it with the with the Antonio Brown trade, basically the Raiders got a you know a first round pick plus Antonio Brown for you know a, a third round a third rounder a fifth rounder and Amari Cooper. So if you're grading that from like a reality sports online perspective or like putting your fantasy lens on net net, they did you know. They did pretty well, and yeah, they had to take a few months of abuse when Amari Cooper was kind of balling out in the middle of the season. But I, I think small price to pay to land Antonio Brown, who I'm shocked they gave a new contract to, but I understand send him in there happy and, and productive, and and I do think he'll produce. I mean, super, consi- super consistent wide receiver, um, you know, not as much talent in the Oakland receiving core as, as there was in Pittsburgh. Obviously not as good of a quarterback from throwing perspective. There, so Antonio Brown, you know, still top, you know, still top five, seven receiver. I think fairly consistent week to week. I, I mean, he he's done more against press coverage, what I've seen from, you know, some of our peers than, than anyone else in succeeding. So, I you know, double team doesn't really matter. I, I think, you know. Antonio Brown's gonna ball out. Um, in, in terms of Car- Derek Carr, uh, I'm still I'm still looking at him as like a a low end QB two, and and by low end I mean if, if I'm if I'm going like super flex, I'm looking at him as QB 20, 22, 24. You know, 12 team league. He's at the he's towards the bottom bottom of that. I mean, I I like even with the departures in in Tampa, I like a guy like Jameis Winston significantly more. Um, you know, on, on upside, on talent, on, on sheer volume, you know, I, I mean, one of the best things for Carr is going to be that, you know, I, I think that he's, he's there with Antonio Brown, like they're going to, the game scripts are going to be nice. 
I mean, Oakland doesn't have a great defense that, you know, playing in a division with like the Chiefs and the Chargers. There's there's going to the Raiders are going to be involved in a fair bit of shootouts. The games will be fun to watch. And, you know, I, I mean, give Gruden a little credit for probably being, you know, QB whisperer and 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 turning this thing around a little bit with Carr. But I, I'm not investing RSO dollars on that on a multi-year basis. Yeah, I think it's I think it might be an unpopular opinion, but I might be willing to invest in, in Derek Carr. And I think he comes in I, I, over time. Um, and I certainly would be willing to invest in, in AB. Like he, he's one of those players that I can't quit. Like he, every time I've had him, which is, a, is very rare, frankly, I've just been thrilled with the return on investment on, on him as a player. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, I, it's not the best analysis. I'm just kind of reveling in the, in the joy of what we're going on, but I, I really do. Um, if I could drop one of my takes for everybody, I would say go buy Derek Carr while he's at a relative low point and, and see what happens, at least see how it plays out. I just do think there are certain players that are good enough to escalate and elevate the games of the players around them. And, I think that that's what it comes down to. So, um, with those with those kind of like big moves in the books, let's wrap this up tidily. Any other big things that you want to talk for, or just do you want to have like a little Brown soliloquy to send us off into the night? Um, well, we got some Browns questions, you know, on Twitter, which we'll I think we'll wrap up with. But I don't, I don't know. You want to talk about some of the guys who haven't signed? I, I mean, we're Le'Veon Bell still looking for a home. I, I mean, still looking for looks like $15 million a year. It seems like Diana Rossini of ESPN said he's, his market's been shaping up to be like 11 or 12. I think Mark Ingram, there's been rumblings. He's going to sign in Baltimore. That hasn't happened yet. Golden Tate still looking for a home. I, I mean, we have Deshaun Jackson back to Philly now, obviously. that That's news. Um, Adam Humphreys to, to the Titans. Um, Cole Beasley and John Brown to, to Buffalo. I, I think, you know, I, I kind of like the Deshaun Jackson to fit back to Philly. I think, you know, he fit in there before Chip Kelly showed him the door and, and he kind of stretched it like, you know, gives them a, a deep threat to go with all their, you know, kind of middle of field assets and in Ertz and Goddard and, you know, Alshon Jeffrey who's kind of the 50, 50 ball guy. So what do you think about D Jackson back in Philly? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm again happy. Unfortunately, like a lot of my happiness is going out to like my friends and their teams, like the Eagles and the Browns. I do think the analysis you just gave, I DJX has been so good for so long at a singular skill set of opening up the field, and I mean, even Zach Ertz is on Twitter crowing about like he he was a great tweet about how it was like the the little eyes looking emoji for the second safety in the middle of the field. Like he knows that he's going to have more openings running down the seams free as a really talented, hyper-talented receiver. I think it just gives Peterson a lot more room to like play around with his offensive sets. And and yes, they, they've been lacking someone like DJX. Uh, he's, I mean, he's better than Torrey Smith and what Torrey Smith did. And that's what they're going to have there. So for sure. A um, couple pieces of news that you'll appreciate. Dorsey apparently released uh, Perriman from his commitment to the one-year contract, and he's headed to Tampa Bay already. Like, uh, and um, and the other big news is Adam Schefter is dropping a new report for us too. So um, he is indicating that. Uh, sorry, I want to read it to you exactly. Give credit to 
to um to shift around this one uh uh never mind i'm gonna back down on that so yeah so that's the news that brashad perriman is uh is been let has been let out of his verbal agreement by john dorsey so there you go um yeah man, man of integrity indeed indeed so yeah i mean like and Good stuff. I, I don't know. I think, I think the big thing that we're, we're waiting on right now is the Love Bell news. I think it's hilarious that he's promoting his rap album, trying to garner up, like, drum up business for himself online. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't sponsored the podcast yet. Yeah, seriously. Seriously. So, yeah, no, that's that's what we're looking at. I just think there's uh, I just think there's a lot of good news out there. I think right now is a time you can get a little hot stove action Go look how people feel about these big names that are shifting around. See if you can get your offers in from for Levy and Bell. If you're if you're a gambling man, like about where you can predict where he's going to go. If you think he's going to end up on the Jets or the Raiders, um, yeah, I think you, I think you could do really really well for yourself. Go get Djax if you think that he's going to be significantly better um, with Carson Wentz on on board. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's just now is a great time to trade, see if the owner with AB is disaffected by his move from the Steelers. You have a lot of like loyal Steeler fans out there that have no, want no part of them and probably will give you a discount and you might end up coughing up a third and a fifth to do that. And so, yeah, that's, that's where I'm at, right? Like you, and if you have Browns on your team, for goodness sakes, go shop them, go, go dangle them and see, see the sharks come biting. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, let's talk about that. It's a good segue to the questions we have. So, you know, we can probably tie in some specifics. So I, I guess first we, we, first thing I have, I have a tweet from Albert Techie, T-E-C-C-I or Techie, if I'm saying it wrong, let's go with Techie um, at, Tech 10, and he's saying he's asking, good time to see if a Landry owner is looking to sell. Thinking attention to OBJ opens up easy receptions underneath, something you had mentioned. Um, what what do you what are you thinking if you're a Landry owner right now? And and let's let's say at, from kind of what we've gone over on the podcast in the past, and the fact that Landry kind of you know was seemingly was a free agent like when he got traded to the Browns. So like, I think he signed a lot of contracts last year. I, I, in my head, I would say 15 to 18 million a year. What, what are you doing if you're a Landry owner on that contract? I'm firmly on the hold side of it. I think uh, initial projections coming out of like really thoughtful analysts are putting, uh, putting Baker all the way up in the 40 touchdown range. Even if you give 10 of those, to uh, Odell Beckham Jr. That's still an awful lot of touchdowns going around. And we know coverages are going to be rolling away from Jarvis, whereas last year he still managed to perform at a wide receiver two level without someone drawing attention for him. And like I said, I think he was miscast. And despite being very good at what he does and a very efficient receiver in his own right, um, yeah, now he gets to do what he does. And he gets to operate in open spaces underneath and be a extremely reliable target and yeah look baker's gonna push it downfield we have every every reason to believe he's gonna take those deep shots but not every drive ends in a deep shot and i absolutely am confident that he can hit like a hundred target one thousand yard six touchdown type threshold and it just depends on where you value that kind of production in your league right i think those i think he's got a very safe floor 
And I think he's going to be a very reliable uh, wide receiver in a league that increasingly uh, either funnels targets to the elite ones, like the DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas is the world, or then you just have a whole mess of other types. And I think he's a rare middle class when it comes to wide receiver. And that's the kind of player that I'm willing to invest in for the right price. Yeah, and I, I definitely think that he, he can catch balls in tight windows. I, I, I think that his tar- his targets will certainly be down from what they were this past year when he was the clear best option for, for the Browns to throw to. Um, I, I guess we got some other comments. Um, the, the, the RSO podfather himself, our buddy Devontae Cleveland, asking, are you worried about there being too many personalities on one offense? Yeah, I don't know if I buy like the narrative of like too many personalities, right? Like we we have seen, like as someone who's been in the classroom for 15 years of my life, sometimes there are really rough kids that when you put them together, their dynamism like makes a, a, a locker room or a room almost unbearable. And then there are some really tough kids that when you put them together, you can harness that energy. And like Plato says, like you're you're the charioteer and you've got the dark horse and the light horse and your your soul's just like flying into eternity. I, I think that this is one of those times when you have two horses um, and a brilliant charioteer. You have multiple horses, frankly, with, with Njoku and like some of those peripheral talents like Callaway. And and I just think I think Baker's the charioteer. Like so, if you want to drop some platonic philosophy in here, which no one does, no one wants to hear on a. But it's Tuesday night. We're talking fantasy, and I'm telling you, the Browns are some a team that is going to be able to harness all that energy and all, all those personalities. And if they don't, it is going to be a glorious, glorious catastrophe to watch for the rest of us. And frankly, I'm already pounding the table for for Hard Knocks Two: The Return of Baker Mayfield. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm hoping it won't be the catastrophe and that, that, you know, everybody will be on their best behavior. I guess, um, yeah, it'll, be, it'll certainly be interesting. I guess the, the other a follow-up question to this was um, at Der- Derek Tom asked, like, he was thinking the same thing about looking to sell, you know, was so, an owner looking to sell about Njoku. He had offered had been putting together to pick him up, but now he thinks he'll hold off. It, do you think Njoku is is the target loser in in this equation? I alluded to that a little bit earlier. I, I he was so rarely targeted for a, a player of his talent to begin with, and he's been I mean he's been a little bit ambiguous. I think he's still more risky than people think. With with what with tight end, you're just kind of gambling on upside, right? Once you get beyond those three established players, and maybe you can now maybe you can tick uh, Ingram up into that group again like right evan ingram might be the the secret winner in all this like he looked really good he's got he's a super fast receiver and basically he'll be getting split out wide more than most tight ends now that they're in desperate need of someone to catch passes so yeah i mean uh, for example at this point whereas i would have been firmly on the joku side of the uh equation a couple hours ago i would flip in joku for ingram right now if somebody offered that to me yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. I mean, I think Njoku then kind of, at, at this point, he kind of becomes your garden variety touchdown dependent tight end, you know, and and, and if you're going to pay for tight end, you got to, you're, you're paying for receptions and volume versus like, you know, hypothetical touchdown variants. Absolutely. And then, yeah, and exactly. He is not, nothing that their usage of him to this point has suggested 
uh, that he's going to be volume driven. And certainly other than a throwaway comment by Dorsey that they're pleased with his talent. Well, of course, we're all pleased with this talent. The kid's like an amazing athletic freak. But um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would have been more excited about Njoku's upside had they not just signed one of the most like electric talents in the game. But now there's a lot of like a lot of those balls to go around. I think I really do think that's true. And I think this is one of those instances where, as I've been saying all night, the sum is is great in the parts, and there's gonna be an awful lot of scoring opportunities in Cleveland, which is just so funny to say out loud. Yeah. Um it's 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 gonna be fun. And and they make they make some nice trips. They they have they're also playing a third place schedule, so it, you know it, it it stacks it stacks up fairly nice. I think I think I'm gonna go. You know my parents live in Arizona. I think I'm gonna go when the, when they're playing the Cardinals. Kind of a fun stadium to go to um, catch a game. I, I saw Andrew Luck and the Colts there a few years ago. Um, so I, I looking forward to that. Take, taking my boy to his first NFL game uh, and. You, you know, we'll see. This this is fun times. I mean, we, you know, one thing we we haven't really even talked about was the, is the combine, and I think we, you know we'll get into that and draft. You know, we'll do our draft shark week again and and bring some big guests on. I mean, just to highlight news and notes. I mean, the big the big news was kind of like the 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 two falls of DK Metcalf, like the the amazing forty, and then the agility scores. So. Um, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be interesting to see what happens there. I mean, you still have people grading kind of the top quarterbacks. Uh, so no, nothing, bun, bunch of excitement. Um, I, I mean, even as we speak, like the chiefs seem to be moving out most of their good players on defense. Um, who knows what that's going to look like other than maybe, you know, Patrick Mahomes throws for 7,000 yards this year instead of five. <laughs> For sure. Well, listen, man. Congrats! What a good, what a good run for you today. And uh, this was fun producing this. Um, I am Luke Patrick at Fantasy Doc Oc D O C O C. We'll be looking for you in the days to come. Again, keep an eye out for all the great guests that we can have. You really big names, luminaries in our industry, making it a lot of fun for us to get behind the mic and drop some reality sports online wisdom for you. Goody, where we should, where should we go looking for you? Oh, you look looking for me at your local bar tonight celebrating, but you know, they, they do have to play the games and, and until the Browns are, are playing in a playoff game. Like this is all conjecture right now. Um, you can find me at Matt Goody too. And, um, got tons of evergreen content. Check out all the episodes. Um, you know, go back to them that they're kind of viewed as bookmarks. You can, you can hear stuff that's still relevant to your reality sports online teams all the time and also leave, leave those reviews on iTunes. Um, keep, keep the ratings up. Um, we're, we're thrilled to have, have everybody listening. We're thrilled to welcome guests. I'm very lucky to have such great co-hosts in you, Luke. And, um, you know, that's it. Let, let's go get it. Amen. Again, thanks again for all those who have been rating and reviewing. Those of you who are new to the program, please go to iTunes, wherever you find us, and drop one of those reviews. They make a big difference in driving new content. We've been really happy with all the new listeners we've been getting, and we'll keep coming at you, bringing all about reality to you in the days to come.